My name is Brian O'Donovan. My name is Mike Finnerty. My name is Mario Rosenstock. And my name is Ian Dempsey, and you're listening to the To The Point podcast. You're very welcome to the To The Point podcast with me, Kean McNicholas, brought to you by our official sponsors at Summer Sportswear, where you can now use code Kean 10 to get 10% off all your Summer Sportswear products this Christmas. And also make sure you check them out on social media and of course on their website. Now, on to today's episode, and it is not your traditional episode where I interview a specific person, but this week and over the next few weeks, I will be putting together highlights from season one of the podcast, uh, so you get to listen back to some of the best interviews of the series. And on today's episode of Highlights, I play you some bits from my interviews with radio legend Ian Dempsey, comedian Mario Rosenstock, broadcaster and journalist Mike Finnerty, and RTE Washington correspondent Brian O'Donovan. So, without further ado, here are the highlights. Yeah, well, I know that I know that I think the radio has uh, come into its own, to be honest with you, uh, of all the, the media out there, because uh, radio is, you know, there, there, there aren't, you know, lots of setting up to do or there's not, you know, you don't have to have lights and action and that kind of stuff. So radio, it's live all the time. It's uh, we've got all the, uh, you know, people are able to instantly get in touch. Um, we're able to give out information very quickly. We just get a text in about something. We can get it out there very quickly. So I think radio uh, has performed very well. But our listeners are they, they seem to really appreciate what's going on. And I'm sure that it's not just for our station. It's all the stations. It's the fact that they they can ask questions. We can get back to them. We can react to things. They can kind of uh, we can get it definitely with with Twitter and all this business and Instagram. Uh, you can get an instant reaction to what's going on and how people feel about it. And you can pass that on and people either agree or disagree. And, uh, you know, so I think it's it's been a, a good time for the radio industry anyway. And I just want to go back a bit. Uh, to, you know, you're mentioned like you're, when you're an actor, you're sitting around, you're waiting for the phone to go. How mm. was that period for you personally? Did you did you go? Did you get in a bit of a slump or was it like, yeah, stay positive, the phone will ring? No, not stay positive. The phone won't ring. I'm not that kind of person. You see, I'm a person who wants to make things happen. Mm. And so this whole world that I'm in now is a world where you can make things happen for yourself. So. I approached RTE and I said, I'd like to put this whole on television. So then we did it for three years. I approached a promoter and went, I want to tour the country with this and make a big, huge show. And me and Ian did a big, huge show together. And it's become a phenomenon around the country. Still is. Um, it is. And then I said, I want to do a podcast. I'm doing a podcast. I didn't wait for a phone to ring. You must make things happen for yourself. So when I was an actor, I really hated that whole thing mm. of waiting for the phone to ring. And I used to just go off the rails. So I drink a lot. So I would go out on the pace all the time and go, I can't handle it. I have too much energy. I need to get rid of this energy somewhere. And I'd get frustrated and I'd, you know, go out drinking. And I was young enough, though. So mm. drinking when you're 25 is not a big deal. When you're 45, if you're drinking during the middle of the week, if you're getting pissed on Tuesdays, Wednesdays and Thursdays, when you're 45, there's something wrong. Mm. But getting pissed on a Tuesday night when you're 25 is, is not a big deal. You know, yeah. you're just a kid. Um, I know you feel that 25 is probably old, but it's still a kid, really. It is. And, yeah, yeah. Um, and, you know, most people at 25 now are going to be still living at home 
and it's not embarrassing to be living at home when you're 25 and you're really a kid still, you know, mm. you haven't figured out really what you want to do. Um, and so I couldn't handle it, Keen. I really couldn't handle that. And so that's why I probably got into that taxi to go into the FM because I felt I need to start making something happening for me rather than waiting by the phone. Yeah. And the thing about waiting by the phone is not only are you waiting by the phone, somebody might ring you and go, you got the part. And you go, great. But it's a shit fucking play. Yeah. Or a shit, or a shit TV series. And you're going, I actually waited by the phone to get into this and it's crap. Mm. Yeah. Right. You know, so you can't make it. So I, so I said, I'm going to write everything I do. So if I want Roy Keane on the moon tomorrow, write it. And then it's like, ha oh, one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind at the end of the day. Oh. <laughs> if you wanted to, yeah. if you wanted to, you could create anything. And I said, I want to create anything. Yeah. And could you just describe the moment when you met Ian? Like, I mean, because th- this is the, the, one of the biggest duos in Irish history or Irish yeah. radio. And it's been successful and still is to this day. Really, really mm. successful. Mm. Mm. What was the, the spark there that the two of you kind of hit off each other? Yeah. Um, well, Ian loves comedy and he loves yeah. he loves comedy. He's, he loves he appreciates comedy and he appreciates humor. He's a real comedy fan. And I think he saw with all the voices I was doing and all the things that there would be a, a large amount of crack to be had with coming up with mischief and sketches. And I did so many different voices that we could create so many different templates. Mm-hmm. And Ian was really good at it as well, is really good as well at coming up with little notions, you know? And um, he also, we have complementary senses of humor. Like, so our sense of humor is not exactly the same. It's close, mm. but I, I still do things that make him laugh. And he still <laughs> comes up with some stuff that'll make me laugh. So we have a slightly different way of looking at things, mm. but it's similar, similar, but not the same. Similar, but not exactly the same. And I think it's the fact that we're similar, but not exactly the same. That makes us a really good uh, combination. Plus, he's really steady. And I'm a little more um, if, like emotional and um, giddy. I'm a little more emotional and giddy. And he's really steady. So he's like kind of an uncle figure. Um, and I'm more like, you know, flighty, a bit wilder. <laughs> But um, at the same time, we both like to go out and have a jar together and get moshed. Mm. Yeah. Um, and, we, and we do have fun together as well because he's a good party guy as well. You know, Ian, Ian, Ian loves enjoying himself as well. And we love a bit of mischief and a bit of banter and a bit of crack, you know? Yeah. And we had a friend years ago who you might have heard of, Tony Fenton, and he was really... Yeah, a legend. You know, he was an absolute legend to go out with. You'd just be laughing all night, belly laughing mm. uh, all night. And, uh, you know, with snot coming out of your nose. You know, those ones where <laughs> yeah, somebody yeah. catches you and suddenly you're like. <laughs> oh. And it's just great when you're an adult and you're laughing at like that. I mean, we when we're kids, we laugh like that a lot. But then we forget how to laugh like that when we're adults. We start yeah. forgetting how to really laugh. We get too serious. Seri- yeah, serious. Yeah, too serious. So I think one of the things that we could still do as Ian can do and I can do and Tony used to be able to do is still laugh like kids laugh like Radine laugh <laughs> yeah, like Radine yeah. pull, pull the piss like Radine yeah. and um, I think that's the way to that's a great way to be it keeps you alive longer and keeps, your, keeps you happier just before I get on to any other questions do you mind just putting in your own words uh, maybe people who might know who you are and just what you do yeah so I'm uh, my day job my full time job I'm the sports editor of the Mayo News in Westport and that was a, a, a company, a newspaper I joined out of college back in uh, 1999 when I graduated from then UCG, now known as NUI Galway. And in tandem with that, since I was, uh, since I was a teenager, 
I have been lucky enough to, to do quite a bit of broadcast and work. Started off initially with, with local radio, uh, climbed my way up through, the, up through the ranks. And for the last, uh, I suppose, 20 years, I have uh, been working in television as well as radio as predominantly a Gaelic Games broadcaster and commentator. Um, but also in, in, in more recent years, I've been lucky enough to dabble a little bit in soccer and rugby commentary as well, which I've really enjoyed. And um, I'm a Gaelic Games commentator with Sky Sports on the championship, have been since the summer of 2014. So at the moment, I'm preparing and gearing up for another championship, uh, which will hopefully get the green light later on today. And I'm also um, Air Sports lead commentator for the Allianz Leagues. And I've worked with them as well for... Uh, this stage now probably the guts of about 15 years um, between the artists formerly known as Satanta Sport and, and now Air Sports as well and uh, in a radio context then I've been working for the last uh, three to four years with BBC um, Northern Ireland, BBC Radio Ulster for, on their coverage of both the Allianz Leagues and uh, also the Championship. So I'm, I'm, I'm very lucky in that I get to work across a broad range of mediums to cover Gaelic games predominantly and um, yeah it's uh, it's 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 a dream job I suppose and it's that cliche it's uh, when you do genuinely love doing something and you do get a great kick out of it it very very rarely feels like work mm, yeah and you mentioned there you've you, you've been at the Mayo News since you came out of college and you're still there mm. why have you have you maybe stayed at the Mayo News and kind of not uh, go the traditional route of kind of going up to the ranks, the national levels. Yeah, that's a very good question. Um, I, I absolutely, I, I love, I love my job. That's probably the, at, at the root of it. I really like what I do, and I, I really like working in the Mayo News environment as well. As I mentioned earlier, like we have been very lucky right back to the very start to when I joined. We've been very lucky to have a really good team of people. Some have gone, some have joined. There's been, there's been a revolving door of, of, of talent, particularly in our editorial department um, over my period there. But we've, we've been lucky enough that we always keep an eye out for, for, for good emerging talent. And we're, we're, we're fortunate that we've been able to bring a lot of those people in to work with us. And that gives you um, almost a, a new lease of life as well. When, when somebody comes through the door and you get to, to maybe work on different projects with them, um, and also, I suppose, I, I've, I've got to be honest, I'm a Mayo person. I was born and bred here in Mayo. And to get an opportunity to work with one of the countries, if not the, uh, the best, one of the best regional newspapers in the country here in Mayo and cover sport and cover features in, in your own part of the world, that's, um, that's, that's something that not everybody gets to do either. And also, I have to say, the Mayo News have always been very supportive to me in terms of my broadcasting work. And that was another big factor for me as well. Uh, the loyalty that I would have shown the Mayo News over the years and the, the hard work and the dedication I would, would have put into my work with the Mayo News and continue to, um, that has always been repaid to me in terms of support and backing for me to, to, to do, my, to do my, my broadcasting work. And that's very important as well, that you have that sort of support behind you. And uh, like a lot of people as well, I suppose, and, and Kian, this, uh, you're, you're too young yet to be thinking about getting married, but you will 
probably at some stage you'll have to think about other people in your life as well and uh, that was also a factor it, it it just worked out for me that my wife and I wanted to settle in Mayo it uh, it it worked for us in terms of our career in terms of to, to bringing up a family and um, yeah there's a very there are very few nicer or better places to live and work than here in in Mayo and as as Westport was voted Ireland's uh, most livable town uh, a number of years ago I think that probably speaks for itself uh, Westport on a summer is very very hard to beat but yeah, yeah. did you find it hard to climatize to the breakfast show because as you said you're up at what are you up five o'clock That's five o'clock yeah, crazy yeah. hours yeah. <laughs> yeah although I mean uh, when I started doing it I remember which was a long time ago um, I remember driving across to Donnybrook as it was then and there'd be very there'd be a few taxi drivers on the road. That was about it. Nowadays, there's actually quite a lot of traffic when you're coming in. Like I, I leave the house at about five to six in the morning and there's a lot of traffic going on. So you know, there's, there's a lot of other people doing it as well. Uh, but back in the day, uh, yeah, it took a little while and it was all always it always seemed to be dark and it always seemed to be raining and it always seemed to be miserable, you know. But uh, once you get into the studio, then you're fine. And uh, once you get yourself a bit of bit of coffee going on you know you're, you're grand yeah and i can't um not ask you about the capital riot on january 6th you were right in the middle of it what was that like covering the capital riot which we all watched in horror on january 6th? so we my cameraman and i murray were outside the white house in the morning for the first leg of that day which was a, a trump rally really he directed this huge stage outside the white house there was thousands and thousands of his supporters there. And this is where he infamously said, we'll march to the Capitol and don't show weakness. And you have to fight to take your country back. You have to fight like hell. All of those buzzwords that the Democrats then took and accused him of inciting the riot and encouraging his supporters to storm the Capitol. So he did all that. They headed off to the Capitol building. We went in one direction. We did as a package for the day. And then, of course, the news started filtering through. This was chaos. So I remember we, we ran towards the Capitol our phone started beeping with an alert from the mayor of Washington saying uh, emergency situation, a curfew was going to be imposed. Everybody get off the streets. It was very dramatic. It reminded me actually of, we used to get similar messages on our phone during the Black Lives Matter protests. If they would get violent or if there was any riots or anything, you would get this beep, beep, beep on your phone. going. So very kind of uncertain, dramatic time. And I remember as we walked through the city, um, alerts on my phone that a, w- a woman had been shot in the, in the, in the uh, uh, riots. Um, police officers had been injured. Some subsequently died, as we know. We didn't know that then. So we arrived up outside the Capitol building and we set up our live position. We start, I think we did our first live into the nine o'clock news as these huge gangs of Trump supporters were leaving the Capitol building. Um, we finished one report and we're about to start into a second report. And then this group of um, Trump supporters were around us. They, they got quite aggressive and the fake news and your fake news. And you know who they were. We didn't know what they saw RTE on the mic, but didn't know what RTE was. Quite aggressive though. And it was a different, I've been covering Donald Trump rallies, obviously for the previous entire election period leading up there. And Donald Trump would always be on the stage and he'd go, look at the media down the back, they're fake news, boo. And then all the crowd would go, boo. And they would, you know, but then I would go up to them afterwards and interview them and they were perfectly nice and willing to talk to me and they didn't have any issues and there was no booing and it was all kind of pantomime and theatre. And I guess it helped being an Irish TV station. It wasn't Fox, it wasn't CNN. They knew it wasn't 
one way or the other, they didn't really know anything about it. So they were happy to speak in that regard. But that day was different. The storming of the Capitol was very different. And I'd seen it in the build-up. There'd been a couple of Stop the Steal rallies and Million MAGA March, where the Trump supporters, after he'd lost the election, would gather in Washington, D.C., that a couple of big rallies. And there was an aggression there, an anger there, a sense of disappointment, a sense that it had been robbed, it had been stolen. But also a sense that Donald Trump had something up his sleeve, that Donald Trump knew what he was doing and he was going to produce this piece of evidence or expose some fact, some rigged voting machine, some fraudulent ballot paper that he could prove that, yes, this election was stolen. But of course, that never came. So I think that anger and frustration and disappointment really did boil over on January 6th. I mean, we were never in any great threat or anything, but you certainly did feel that level of aggression and anger as they shouted at us as they, as they passed. Fortunately, that's all it was for us, just shouting, because some media did get attacked and got their camera equipment bashed up and that kind of thing. We didn't get anything like that, but I could certainly sense the, the anger and the tone. Mm, yeah. yeah. As you said, you'll finish up at the end of this year. Will you miss it? I will. I mean, you'll definitely miss... You'll ne- I'll probably never... Well, never say never. I may never do another job like this where it's that level of just every day, intense, 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 story, 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 uh, to that degree. I mean, it was an absolute buzz. I loved every minute of it. I enjoyed it. What, what I find interesting is, and I come back to a point I made earlier, I'm getting the sense that my last six months here, look, who knows, big stories could break. Goodness knows it's a big country. But there's definitely a change in the pace. As I say, that day-to-day, crazy, busy, Donald Trump covering stuff has most, most definitely eased. So maybe that is preparation for whatever I do next when I go back to Dublin, because I don't know yet. I, I will continue being a reporter in the RTE newsroom, and I don't know what that will be. So maybe my four years here will be sort of looked at at that very, very sort of busy chunk at the start and then a very different, and I don't want to say it's quiet or I'm not doing anything. It's just a very, very different pace. And you end up sort of going out and, as I say, finding feature stories like um, uh, wildfires, like climate change, like people voting, like the crisis at the border down the Texas border. That's another one that we're hoping to do, um, migrant crisis. So you look for different stories. So it's definitely a different pace. Uh, but it has been an amazing period of time here. I, I, as I say, don't know if I'll ever have a period of time like that again in my journalism career. I feel I was very privileged and lucky from a journalism perspective to be here when I was. Mm. What's the process in trying to uh, imitate or, or impersonate a celebrity's voice? Well, I was talking to Connor about this yesterday or a few days ago on the podcast. And one of the things that came out of it was, and that we both agreed on, was that there are about three or four different versions of anybody, mm. you know, any human being. There, there isn't just one voice. So when somebody goes, that doesn't sound like him. I mean, they, how would they know it doesn't sound like him? Because you don't know what they sound like. You only know what you think they sound like. But I've been listening more than you. And everybody has three or four different versions of themselves. So they have the the excited, agitated version of themselves. They have this quiet version of themselves. They have a a loud, angry version of themselves. And they have a giddy version of themselves. And so you can, it's up to me to tap into one side of them. It's like I was saying to Connor, I think the other day. I mean, Joan Burton does not sound like this. Can I just say? (laughs) But everybody knows that Joan Burton, one of the most famous things she ever did was being attacked by Vincent Brown on his t- on his yeah. show on television where he was haranguing her and she lost the plot completely. And went, Vincent, you're haranguing me! <laughs> and everybody remembered the shrieking voice. And so mm. I said, that's her, that's her, that's her. For me, that's Joan Burton. Every time mm. I speak, it's going to be in that voice. <laughs> now, the real Joan Burton 
wasn't always like that. She was like, well, you know, can I just mm. say to him <laughs> that you are a wonderful person? But I said, no, no, that's not the Joan Burton I want. This is the Joan Burton I want. Can I just say? And so for me, that was Joan Burton. Yeah. And so everybody recognized that as Joan Burton, even though that doesn't sound like Joan Burton. Mm. But, even, but everybody recognized that as the cartoon of Joan Burton. Yeah. And um, yeah. So when you're so when you're researching their voice and you're you're looking for a clip and you find that one maybe viral clip or that one clip or there as yeah. you said Joan Burton's yeah. going you're haranguing me yeah and you pick that out and then just caricature them for yeah the, for, for for the full I pick that out and I go and go I pick that out and I go that's going to be my Joan Burton mm. that's going to be my yeah. Joan Burton or 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 when Vincent Brown was going to, who, 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 who do you think you I turned I turned him into a monkey so he used to kind of go who, 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 who do you think you are. Who, who do you think you are? And I go, who do you think you are? And so, you know, with um, um, with Jose, it was very much, you know, the sexy kind of, um, I made him into a kind of a lounge singer, but he was capable of singing any song in a beautiful lounge. And, you know, that kind of thing, even though he doesn't always sound like that. My Roy Keane doesn't sound like that at all. Roy mm. Keane never goes, ha, 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 ha. I invented that. Yeah, yeah. You know, that actually came from a thing. That actually came from a thing when Roy Keane was about 28 and people would, nobody would have really known his voice. They knew that he was captain of Manchester United and that he was a famous player, but he never really did interviews. And I remember Pat Kenny interviewing him on the Late Late Show once and he went, um, you know, Roy Keane, 50 grand a week. I'd say all the drinks are on you down in the Temple Acre Tavern. And I remember Roy looking down in kind of an embarrassed way and his eyelids looking down. He went, oh, I, I don't know about that, Pat. <laughs> and all he did was, oh. and I just went, do you know what? There's something in that little self-deprecating laugh. And I turned it into a, oh, 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 oh. <laughs> <laughs> and then I did it in a sketch, right? Mm. I didn't think much of it. But Ian then said in the sketch, the laugh. And I went, what? The laugh, he said, what? The people, they love the laugh. Keep the laugh going. Yeah. So it was the idea. And I went, Why? Because you can't just give a laugh to a character and think that it's going to be funny. The point was that Roy was such a fierce mm. animal that giving him this little cuddly laugh <laughs> made him kind of f- funny. Yeah, yeah. The idea yeah. that like I fucking kill you. <laughs> <laughs> so it was this idea that like uh, there was you know it's a very cartoony thing. Yeah. So Roy Keane didn't really laugh like that. I kind of invented it. Yeah. You know? Ron, Ronan O'Gara isn't as slow <laughs> or boring as I make him out to be. Um, yeah. You know, it's just a fucking cartoon. So that's yeah. what I do. I do a cartoon. Uh, what's kind of a, a, a day or a week building up to, let's say, an All-Ireland final for uh, be it Sky Sports or Air Sports or whoever you're working for? Yeah, well, look, it probably won't come as a massive surprise to hear that, that there is a lot of work involved, a lot of prep work a lot of uh, preliminary work before you get to to the ground the day of the game and and there's no doubt that's that's the fun part the 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 actual game itself um you know i i would never thankfully i would never feel under under any pressure or any major nerves i mean of course you'd have you'd have a little bit of nervous tension but that's a good thing you know you're if you don't have that you're probably in the wrong game um but i would always kind of treat the commentary like i would have treated exams or or um you know tests in school where i would feel if, if you've done the work in advance and if you can if you can say to yourself if you, if you can look in the mirror and say you've covered all bases you've um you haven't left yourself short or you haven't rushed or you haven't cut corners 
it really helps you to be relaxed in the, the, the day of a game. Um, and I remember somebody saying years ago at, at, at a, a kind of a commentary broadcasting course we, we, we attended, oh, it's, uh, it's, it's quite a while ago now, but it always stuck in my mind that, you know, you can bring as many notes as, as you feel you need to, to in, into a commentary, but there's sometimes no better feeling than bringing a lot of those notes home again that evening, not having used them, because it, 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 it obviously tells you that you've been lucky enough to commentate on a really good game or it has flown by so quickly that you haven't had the need or the time to go maybe looking for those little stats or nuggets that you, um, that you thought you might need. And um, I would start my prep for, for a commentary regardless of, of, of the time of year or who I was working for. I, I would start my, my prep on a, on a Tuesday. Um, that's traditionally my day off with the Mayo News anyway. So I would probably start the start the prep by watching some some tapes, um, watching some games back of the teams that were in at the weekend, um, familiarizing myself just with body shapes, with uh, strappings, boots, haircuts. Uh, if it's hurling, it might be what hand they hold the hurley, the strapping on the hurley, the helmet colors, all that sort of stuff. And also, obviously, getting a feel for for their more, most recent game, um, who played well, who didn't, tactically how they set up, switches they might have made, players who came on and made an impact, all of those sort of things. Then I would, uh, in the evenings that followed later that week, I would kind of intersperse watching a bit of tape with reading through some match reports, maybe um, going back through my notes from previous games where I would have covered those teams just looking for a few little nuggets on each player who was likely to play. And then by Thursday or Friday, when you get the team list sent to you, that's your chance where you can really start to, to hone in and start to get, I suppose, the numbers and the positions into your head where you expect them to play on the Saturday or the Sunday. And then on the actual day of the game itself, very little um, uh, prep work. It's a bit like trying to study, I suppose, the morning of an exam. You might flick through the, the, that day's papers. You might try and find maybe something fresh something relevant something interesting if team a was to win it would be this would be significant for these reasons or if team b was to lose for the same for the same reasons there might be just some historical stuff or some newsy stuff and then you just want to try and really relax for a few hours before the game um i would be very um superstitious is probably the wrong word but i i would have a routine that i would like to try and follow most game days um a lot of it involves just sort of clearing out your head of clutter and distractions and just being very relaxed, making sure you have plenty of uh, water uh, drank and plenty of water with you and small things like that you've, you've eaten at the right time, not too much that you feel in any way sort of sleepy or, or, or any way sort of uh, uh, out of it. But, you know, just, just to eat at the right time, to eat the right things, and to make sure that when you get to the, the venue, you get there in plenty of time, but not too early, that you're hanging around and trying to kill time. And try and talk to as few people as possible, really, to be honest, in the hour before the game starts. You want to try and keep your, your head clear. You want to try and keep your focus so that when the time comes for you to, to do your thing, to do your job, that you are, you are as right as you can possibly be. And it's amazing how quickly that hour, that 70 minutes, that 90 minutes, whatever it is, flies by. It's, it's over so quickly. And um, that's then when, uh, when you can sort of relax and uh, 
yeah, you, you'd have no problem sleeping um, the night after the night after a big game. You're absolutely you're flat. Your your battery is flat, but that's the way you want to be. And you mentioned there the Roy Keane laugh. You actually done the Roy Keane laugh to Roy Keane. What was that yeah. like? Well, it was it was it was hard because I was very you know I was plopping my pants really, and uh, <laughs> you know uh, I met Roy with Ian in a one room, and uh, you know he shook my hand and. Uh, then he agreed to play along, you know, and I went, uh, well, obviously at the end of the day, you, people say I laugh like you and he went, no, I don't laugh like me at all. I went, uh, people think I do laugh like you. And he went, yeah, I don't laugh like me at all. Make me laugh. And then I was going, oh, fuck. So uh, I went, uh, well, obviously I said before, like John Delaney, uh, the FAI is a monument of professionalism. And Roy just kind of went, oh, oh, oh. and then I went, oh, oh, oh. and then he went, oh, 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 oh. And for a second, there were two Roy Keens in the room. You can hear that on YouTube as well. Yeah, I watched on YouTube. It's, oh, it's a brilliant clip. Absolutely yeah. hilarious. Yeah. And uh, what was he like? Wave for the cameras. Because Ian said, I asked Ian about this, and he was saying yeah. he puts on this hard man persona, but underneath it all, he's a very, very nice guy. Absolutely. It's, uh, Roy is aware. He, Roy understands showbiz. Mm. And that's the, one thing that I, that's the one thing I got about Roy. Roy gets showbiz. He gets pantos. He gets the, the villain and the bad guy. He gets that. Um, I got a sense of him that he's really smart, that he's a very mm. intelligent fella. I got a sense out of him that he's whip smart, that he's quick witted, very sharp, very sharp, funny. Yeah, how he uh, asked you, get, make me laugh. Yeah, funny. Mm. Um, he's funny. He gets humor, and he is uh, aware of what Roy Keane is. He is aware of it, so he's self aware, which is which makes him even more interesting. Um, and he knows when to turn it on and when to turn it off. Mm. Um, and he keeps you guessing and keeps you interested. Like any good entertainer, he keeps yeah. you surprised. I see him as a natural entertainer. Yeah. And you, and you, you feed off him now as he's on Sky Sports and he's going viral every weekend. You feed off that. Uh, not really, not really, Keen, because sometimes something is too good to actually do yourself. He's better at, he's almost better at it than I am, mm. if you know what I mean. So in other words, when if I want to take the piss out of something to do with Roy Keane, Saipan is the perfect example because that's a really serious situation that I can dramatize and make fun of. But when Roy Keane is already hilarious on every fucking viral thing, it's harder to be funny about it because people are going, well, he's already hilarious on it, Mario. And Mika Richards is pissing himself looking at him. So like um, it's harder, actually, sometimes. What have been some of the highlights of your now, let's was it 23 years in today, FM? What, what have been the main highlights? Um, well, we got to um, we got to travel around quite a bit. We got to Japan. I got to Japan three times actually wow. with with the with the station, and uh, got to LA a good few times. I love traveling. I love getting out of the country, and uh, particularly now when you're thinking back, because it was just unbelievable. Um, and uh, you know, we've done things like the shave or die thing, where I shaved my head, yeah. uh, uh, like along with lots of other people. But uh, I, it's still traumatic. Uh, I remember looking in the mirror for the first time and saying, "Jesus," uh, you know. <laughs> So, you know, I, lo I love those big events where the, the listeners can get involved, they can help out, and uh, it becomes a kind of a community thing, and, and it raises lots of money. Like, we raised millions uh, on that particular one. So, uh, from that point of view, the traveling is great, and uh, and Christmas parties, today FM Christmas parties, I couldn't tell you too much about them, but they're, they're <laughs> not... They're notorious, and uh, they ha they have been down through the years. So hopefully we can have another one.